And good evening and welcome to a very special midweek edition of JMU Sound Off. I'm Jonathan McNamara in Richmond, Virginia, coming to you from my backyard, a little fire chat version of tonight's episode. We have a lot of discussions around the JMU football universe this week, particularly a lot of focus on the conversation about JMU's bowl eligibility. So we wanted to bring you a midweek episode with our friends from Skyline Financial Partners. We want to say thank you uh, to our other sponsor, the Montpelier Collective, for their support of JMU Sound Off, and say thank you to our listeners who had a great response to Sunday's episode. I want to thank our friends from the ODU Monarchists for joining us, as well as Mark Davis, who joined us from WTKR. Great discussion on this week's game against ODU. We also recapped the JMU win over Marshall. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, it is archived on your favorite podcast provider. So with that, I want to bring in Taylor Atkins, the other host of JMU Soundoff, is joining us tonight for tonight's episode. Taylor, uh, I know this was an important conversation you wanted to bring to the fold this week. Uh, bringing our friends from Skyline Financial Partners in. But before we get to that, lots of discussion this week around the JMU uh, kind of Twitter sphere about a number of topics uh, in the JMU world regarding the, obviously, eligibility conversations as well as some of the national coverage of this program as it entered into the top 25 in both the coaches and AP polls. Uh, so from your perspective, I know you've been watching it closely. Lots going on. I mean, you got waivers, you got national polls, you got undefeated season. I'll be honest, I think the fans are more distracted than the players. You got a lot of fans bickering back and forth about uh, which debates you should engage in, which debates you shouldn't, don't distract the team. And right now, I think uh, I think the fans are more distracted. I think the team's laser focused. I think they're ready to take on Old Dominion. And um, at the day, you know, be a fan. This is what fandom's all about. Debate, argue, little smack talk here and there. But overall, we're just having fun and uh, building off those relationships that Jamie football has given us over the years. Well, I want to just apologize to you before we bring the guys on because I was smack talking about the size of the fire that you had in the background. I think you <laughs> either moved closer or it got bigger, but it looks no. good. So I think this is going to this is going to be a little <laughs> tradition. These little fires. This, this is what Botetot fires are. This is what Zach Horton about that, wakes that up to every morning. Or the, whatever the air is in Southwest Virginia. But uh, Taylor, I'll give you the floor to introduce our guests tonight from Skyline Financial Partners right off the bat from day one this season they have been a supporter of jmu sound off not only supporters of the podcast just big fans of the program uh so tell sure. our listeners and viewers tonight a little bit about skyline and how they started to uh work with us here at jmu sound off yeah so the skyline financial uh guys i met them uh, it was probably their two or three years ago at the duke club golf classic back in the spring and this was the first duke club golf classic i had played in since moving back from texas uh met the guys i think it was right at the first hole they had a little table set up and uh they had, I, I think they had been sponsoring the Duke Club Golf Tournament for, for many years. So this is a group of guys that love JMU, love JMU sports, and really believed in the idea of once they graduate, you know, uh, JMU for life, or uh, was it Dukes from day one, JMU yeah. for life? <laughs> I think so. um, Somebody I mean, will they, if, if I'm butchering that, I, I apologize to the Alumni Association, but they really took that to heart, have stayed engaged with JMU, and they started that golf tournament. And then some of our members of JMU Soundoff started working with them professionally before we had the podcast going. Um, so this is something we really believe in. And when the podcast really kicked off, they were one of the first people outside the Mount Pillar Collective to say, we want to help. We want to grow this thing. We want to get it as big as it can be. And we want to be there to partner with you guys and help you grow the JMU brand. So um I would like to introduce them today. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Tim Nelson first and allow him to kind of introduce his team. But these are the guys from Skyline Financial Partners. You've heard them mentioned every show, and I'm excited to have them on tonight to talk about JMU. So, Tim, take it away. 
Thanks, Taylor. So first off, I am excited to be in Bridgeforth on Saturday night for the first time for a home game for a nationally ranked FBS JMU team. Um, my name is Timothy Nelson. Um, I am a JMU alumni, if you do not know me. Um, I graduated in 2013. So I was actually at school when Bridgeforth was being renovated. And it's kind of funny. A couple of my friends watch and fraternity brothers watch this uh, podcast. And something that was kind of interesting about it is everybody always used to kind of make fun of me. Because I was the guy who was always trying. And you can ask Austin about it in a minute because um, he played football here. Um, but when we were talking, I was always about moving up to the FBS level and what that would mean for the program. And we're here. You know, we're 7-0. and We have a huge game at home against a rival that – you know, the last time we played them at home had Taylor Heineke. Um, it's an exciting moment. So I'm very excited for that, and I'm, I'm excited to talk more football here in a second. But I do want to introduce the rest of our team here. I think uh, when you look at the JMU community and, and what it means, um, and I'll talk about it more in a little bit, um, it's more than just a school and a football team, right? It's an energy. It's a feeling. It's, it's uh, you know, thinking about things long term and looking out for others. And that's what we're trying to bring to the financial services industry. Right. You know, we've all been in the industry for over 10 years now. And we always notice, you know, I think that was the reason I'm curious what Austin says um, for why he chose JMU and he played football here. Um, but that was why I chose JMU. You know, I noticed that, you know, people held doors open. I noticed that, you know, people were always looking out for others. And, and it was normal for, you know, the band to interact with the football team and the football team to interact with the band. And, and, and you didn't see that at other schools. Right. So that's exactly what we're doing in the financial services career and field is it's not just numbers for us. Right. It's it's a family relationship. It's understanding, you know, what you want to do for the long term, really making sure that your goals are aligned with whatever the mathematics ends up being. Right. So I want to introduce my other two business partners here today. Um, Alex is the other main co-founder of the team. He is actually famous for uh, being a UMBC grad. So he uh, got the number one checkbox. Uh, for coolest accomplishment for a sports team probably ever. So I'll let him introduce himself and talk about his background. And then Austin will uh, go next. And he uh, actually went to JMU as well. And he played football for the team during the Mickey Matthews era. So I think it'll be cool for him to talk about that. But yeah, Alex, if you want to go ahead and you know kind of introduce yourself. and Yeah, so I'm the uh, only non-JMU grad, I believe, uh, on, this, on this call, this podcast right now. Um, UMBC alum. Uh, I got to know James Madison University actually through Tim. I had never been down to the school. The first time we went down there was for an internship program where Tim was speaking. I immediately fell in love with the the culture, the campus, um, the types of people that were there. It's a very tight-knit community, I'd say, especially from the alumni side. You know, we've been involved on the alumni side with uh, the Duke Classic uh, golf tournament and other uh, charitable events and things like that. And the alumni there is just is top-notch. Um, so while I'm not one of them, you know, I, I have nothing but praise for that. Um, and what we're looking to do is really just help the people in that community, help other athletes, help you know anybody who's just looking for some sound, comprehensive financial planning advice. Um, that's that's where we specialize. But uh, I'll, I'll pass it off to Austin. He's got a way more exciting story than I do as someone who actually football at school for a football podcast that we're talking about. So I'll let, I'll let you take it away, Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, a uh, pleasure to, you know, go Dukes. I guess we'll start there. Uh, big weekend this weekend. Um, and I guess another fun fact, too, I've known Tim since I was probably seven years old, um, eight years old. Our families have been in the same area forever. And when you when you think JMU to some of what, you know, Tim alluded to, it's home. You know, that's ultimately the decision or uh, the deciding factor for me with, you know, being uh, that football player, having some other options on the in that in that light of getting recruited. And otherwise, you know, with Mickey being the area, his son, Clayton, was my recruiter. So. 
it was definitely a hot era um, as much as it's grown into a hotter era now. And um, I'm excited for what it's growing into. I've always, as Mel Tucker said, for what Michigan State will never be, a destination school, uh, I firmly believe that the JMU Dukes, let alone just that Harrisonburg area, is a destination for not only families and friends, but, you know, athletes. I think, you know, without being just the, the, the culture, um, the, the women are obviously beautiful. Uh, the, the guys are just as cool to hang out with. And when you put all those factors together, when you got a football team and everything, it's, 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 it's exciting to, to know that and thankful to be a part of this to kind of just celebrate that all together as we move forward. And obviously, quickly into the skyline, you know, Skyline Financial Partners and, and being one of the partners, it's, it's exciting to know that just as much as I have excitement for what JMU is going to be, I have that same excitement for what Skyline can be in a lot of the spaces and obviously that financial arena. So um, I, I appreciate being here. I look forward to, to, you know, talking with everybody and again, go Dukes. So um, thank you for sure. Well, guys, I'll, I'll say this, you know, we talk when people have asked us why we switched formats, why we've uh, been able to move this conversation into a, much more professional product where the the audio quality is improved because of the equipment we've been able to get. Uh, a big part of that is because of your investment in, in what we're trying to do here. And again, our goal um, from day one with this conversation has been to elevate the brand uh, of not just JMU football, but JMU athletics in general, uh, and to increase the support to programs like the Montpelier Collective, uh, to programs like the Jamie Duke Club because of something that Taylor, I think, says so eloquently when, when he describes it. Um, Football and, and, and athletics is so much more than just the game on the field. Uh, it's a lot of what's going to happen this weekend. People having a chance to to hang out for the first time, maybe in five or ten years. Um, kids getting to meet each other. Um, who you know, maybe their parents went to school together and they start friendships and eventually wind up at JMU. And and what we've seen in this FBS era for JMU is more and more people um, reconnecting with JMU. I've, I've said on a couple episodes now. I see it in my neighborhood and community. Um, people who may have had some JMU shirts in the closet, uh, but it never translated into donations or season tickets or, or interest in the program. Uh, are now uh, asking me for tickets or, or making the trip up to Harrisonburg or tuning into ESPN Plus. Uh, and that's going to serve as the front porch for the university and, and help to elevate this program uh, and create a greater and more meaningful experience for student athletes and a, and a more meaningful and fun experience for students in general. Whether you're a, a big athletics fan or not, the more attention and the more energy around the program, uh, especially with the coverage that JMU has been getting over the past couple of months, um, that's going to elevate degrees uh, and just make people uh, much more aware of the university in Harrisonburg that, that many people across the country are maybe getting introduced to for the first time. So we're going to learn a little bit more about Skyline as we go throughout the broadcast, but we did want to have an opportunity with you guys to talk about some of the major topics surrounding uh, this program going into homecoming week. Uh, this has been a really interesting conversation as we saw this week with what's happened in the Virginia political landscape as we saw everyone from Attorney General Jason Muiris. Um, we saw Senator Lucas, who is the uh, leader of the Democratic Party in the Senate. We saw the uh, Speaker of the House of Delegates, uh, Mayor Stoney from Richmond, all engaging with a chorus of other political leaders in the discussion around the NCAA's ruling that JMU will not only not be eligible for uh, a bowl game, but also not be eligible for the college football playoffs. And I want to go around, starting with you, Taylor. 
Um, whoever thought that JMU football would be the thing that would lead to uh, a surge in bipartisanship um, here in the Commonwealth of Virginia? We'll just go around the horn. Just curious um, what you took from all of this discussion this week and, and how you view this issue uh, as more and more people start to take the cause of advocating for the NCAA to take a second look or maybe a third look, I guess, at this point on this issue, which, again, really comes back to, for so many JMU fans, just giving student athletes an opportunity to go as far as their play will take them there. And I know some of the excuses and some of the things that are out there say, well, you knew what the rules were before you enter. I know Taylor, you have a little bit of a different take on this uh, in terms of why you think that argument doesn't really carry any water. Yeah. I, I think there are a lot of folks out there that are well-intentioned um, with their arguments. I think there's probably more to the story that some of these folks don't realize. And I think that's important to add the context into why many members of the JMU Nation, I would say the vast majority, are arguing that we should be um, eligible for postseason this year. I think the um, our status as a state institution is why the state legislature is getting involved. I think a lot of the people saying that we're making too much noise or we're making too much a big a deal about it it's because the JMU Nation has been making a big deal about this for the first five or six weeks of the season that other national media outlets have picked up on that, have gotten on that bandwagon. And is also why you're starting to see uh, the state legislature and political figures in the state of Virginia get on board with this. So just to give some background, and I'm not going to pretend, I, you know, I, I have no internal uh, sources or knowledge to the situation, but just from what I know on the outside Everyone remembers the season last year and the talk about JMU being the first team uh, in the transition era to ever play a full FBS schedule. That was purposeful because they knew that there was a waiver process and they knew that in order to have any shot at this waiver process, that the argument would have to be most teams in their first year of transition are transitioning out of FCS. They're playing at least half or a majority of their games still FCS while trying to reach that scholarship allotment. And then the second year, of their FBS transition is usually when they're finally playing a full FBS schedule, they are at or close to the full scholarship allotment so that then they will be eligible for that third year through the transition process to be fully eligible. JMU took the opportunity and pursued the opportunity to have a full FBS schedule that included paying three quarters of a million dollars to middle Tennessee state to come to Bridgeforth to have that one final extra FBS game on the schedule to have a full FBS schedule. In doing so, there was no promise or guarantee that year two would provide a waiver, but it was one of those things, especially under an NCAA administration with a different president, that was if you can fulfill year two FBS requirements in year one, that a waiver would just be the next common step or the next logical step in this process. So I think that's why you have a lot of people associated with JMU um, that are rightfully so upset about the denial of the waiver um, that there was no justification for that denial of that waiver other than, well, everyone else had to do it. And so do you, you know, and so the idea of being ready, um, viable to move up, um, financially stable to move up. Jamie, you checked off all those boxes. They played a full FBS schedule last year. They went eight and three. They were in the top 25. And I'm going to bring this up again because I brought it up last episode about a social media post I made last week. Liberty University applied for a waiver. This was not a waiver for a postseason 
to to bypass the postseason ban, but it was a waiver to do something that was even equally as unprecedented to move up from FCS to FBS without a conference invitation. And one of the reasons you need to have a conference invitation is, again, one of those filters or one of those uh, obstacles to make sure that teams moving up to this level are going to be successful at this level. And Liberty applied for a waiver, and I'll say that they have the financial stability, they have the facilities, they have a lot of things that a lot of these other FCS schools moving up don't have. And so I think their waiver was rightfully uh, pat, or I think their waiver was rightfully uh, given to that school. And I think that is one reason why JMU thinks that the waiver should have been given to them. So I could probably go on and on and on about this a little bit more. I'm going to give the, the Skyline guys some chance to give their feedback. But at the end of the day, I, I will say to everyone, keep making a fuss about it. Do it in your own way. Um, if If it's not in your feelings to go on social media and blast everyone about it then don't do it but for those that are doing it um let them be let them be fans be a fan and before we bring in the skyline guys i do want to say if you're watching this episode please feel free to add your comments into the uh below and whatever platform you're watching us and we want to feature them on this discussion but i did want to point out one thing though and this is an issue i keep coming back to is the mission statement of the nca which is to provide a world-class athletics and academic experience for student athletes that fosters lifelong well-being when you take that mission statement as it is i just simply cannot understand how you would come up with a rule i understand the goal of the nca in this transition process is to make sure institutions are ready to perform, that they have the resources, the scholarships, the facilities in place, but not providing student athletes, especially with all that happened during COVID, with all that student athletes and students in general missed out on as a part of their academic career, that they can see keeping these kids from competing. I There could be an, a legitimate discussion about the financial implications and where the money goes from this, but simply not allowing these athletes to go as far as their play uh, can take them just seems like a, a battle that I'm really surprised, especially in the era where, where I saw Matt Barry was talking about on the ESPN broadcast, allowing these players, some of them to, to get trucks given to them and all the money that's going around, but we're not going to let them compete. So I, I, I just don't see how they have a, a value or mission leg to stand on. But Tim, um, your kind of thoughts on, on where we stand with this issue and, and the coverage surrounding it. Yeah, I mean, first off, I think it's awesome to even be in this position. I think it's a huge testament to the players and the coaching staff that we are, you know, at the winning level to be a national conversation, right? So that's why I, you know, I didn't write this. Anybody who knows me knows my handwriting's horrible. Um, my other half wrote it, but win, right? That above everything else, like all the talk goes away if we don't keep focusing on what we need to focus on as a team, which is ODU this weekend and then the remainder of the season, right? So I think that's the main point is it'll get louder and louder and louder and the energy around it, even if it's, I mean, we need to keep it, keep the push down, right? I am very for finding a way to let these players play in a, in a postseason in some way, shape or form if they keep winning. But if that happens, right. I mean, we need to understand that like just because there was a rule in the past doesn't mean it makes sense for the future. Right. I can probably, there's no reason to point out exact examples, but there's lots of times in the past where there were rules that were just draconian that needed to be changed for the well-being of the student athlete. Right. And that, I hear that all the time from the JMU community, student athlete, student athlete, student athlete. And that's what matters, right? Of course, it's fun. And as a fan and a 32-year-old alumni, I want to see us play in a big bowl. And that's, but what really matters is their, their, you know, this is their season. You know, this is, for the seniors especially, this is their moment. And they're showing it, right? You know, like, we've got the leader in sacks. Like, I mean, like those types of things are not, you know, if that's not even registered, like, I've been hearing that stats apparently may not even be registered. Like, if that doesn't get registered, that's just, that's not fair to him. Right. So when you're looking at those types of things, I think what matters is that what exactly we're doing right as a university, we are focusing on winning 
you know, we need to bring the energy on Saturday as a fan base. And if we keep winning, I think there will be a way forward where we can find a way through. And I, I do think one thing I have noticed on some of those fan boards um, is there has been some choppiness between the fans. Like, you know, I'm not very vocal on the Sunbelt Facebook pages. I'm on them. I kind of watch from afar. I'm not very vocal on them, but I see them. You know, if you're going to be vocal, be vocal. If you're not going to be vocal, don't, don't be vocal. But I do notice every single week that like the Georgia Southern and the Marshall fans and the, and the App State fans messages get longer and longer and they get more and more ridiculous every single week that we keep winning. So just let that happen, and then the dominoes will fall where they fall. That's kind of how I feel about it. Um, but Liberty did get a waiver. Granted, it was a different – I think that is the, the key point, too. You know, my final point is Liberty did get a waiver, right? You know, granted, it was a different waiver, but that shows that waivers can happen, right? So it has happened in the past for something that was slightly different. Why can't it happen here if we keep winning? So that's kind of my points on on the whole situation with that. And I want to make two points to what Tim brought up, too. One, about the statistics – um, it, it is true that any any NCAA records that are broken this year at the FBS level will not go to will, will not be counted, um, which I which I think is a shame, which is ironic because if someone breaks an NCAA record against us, though, um, it will. So there's that point there. The other point that I see in a lot of these Sunbelt forums is you have a lot of teams that did have a lot of success in their second year of transition. Georgia Southern had success. And so you have a lot of schools saying, hey. We are, I think Liberty talks about some of the success they had in year two, and they're saying, hey, we all did that, too. The difference is when they're comparing their year two, it's really their first year of FBS. We're, in essence, in their year three. We've already completed that first full year of FBS with the schedule and with everything that comes with it. So a lot of the other programs, with all due respect, when they say we all did, we all went through this as well. You, you didn't is all I'm going to say. Yeah, and with that, I just I think the point that's been brought up though about the the bickering between fans, I do think it's possible to do two things at the same time. It's it's possible to both focus on and enjoy the success that JMU is having, but also advocate on behalf of the student athletes. That again, you you don't get a second crack at this. I think that's where I keep coming back to: is there are players on this team that have had shortened seasons, have had injuries, have had so many things that have limited the amount of games that they're going to have. And, and every football player I've heard in any interview that I've ever done in, in either this capacity or my broadcast capacity for high school sports says you're always one play away from the last play of your college career. And to keep them from having the opportunity to see, again, as far as their play can go, just seems wrong. And, and as JMU, a school that seems to pride themselves on civic activity and, and civic involvement, it just seems like a natural fit. Uh, we're also a school that has never been shy about advocating for our brand. I, I go back to the Capital One uh, mascot days. I think there are thousands of JMU grads out there and alums who have yet to get a Capital One credit card for the sole fact that they didn't give us the uh, the trophy when we dominated the online polls of that that mascot challenge. What was that back, Taylor, in 2005 or 2006 or something? But it, so I, I see the value in the fight because I, I think it keeps fans engaged as long as, and I think this is a point that you know, uh, podcast like Jamie Sports Blog has rightfully brought up is that make sure you're enjoying what is happening this season because this is special. Um, seven and oh, 15 and three to start our FBS, you know, journey is not normal. It's had no one else has done what Jamie has done, especially in this modern era of college football. Uh, and we need to enjoy the national coverage, enjoy the, all that is coming for this program because it is unique. So I want to bring the other guys in, um, either, uh, Alex or Austin, any thoughts, Austin, you maybe as a former football player, um, anything you think about this topic of how would you feel as a player, uh, if you were seven and oh, and in the situation, the NCAA was telling you. Um, you know, you're not going to be able to compete. Obviously, your focus would be on this week's game. 
but you have to think this would be in the back of your mind, at least on some level. Yes, I guess you could call it incensed, um, seething with or fuming. Uh, if I was, if I'm not in that player's position of understanding that, uh, yes, if we have that team that can carry, you know, that legacy of winning championships on into the FBS end of the year when playoffs come to come about in the bowls, I, I'd, I'd definitely be pretty upset, but I'd also be proud of what we just did. You know, against all odds, there are still a few things when it comes to eligibility. If there aren't enough teams that can fill the the bowl arena, you know, that's our last little caveat of we can sneak on in there. Um, whether or not it's a big bowl or not, and we might still be undefeated, I, I think it's still a very, very much awesome place to be. And then, again, speaking in just kind of an anecdotal fashion and eligibility and all these things, Oregon's player, uh, he was at, he's now just got granted his ninth year of eligibility. And he doesn't know if he's going to be able to take it yet. Most of it's because of injuries, most of it's because of that. But I say that only because of, you know, we're giving individual players more eligibility than four years of college. You know, that's what is he's in his super, super, maybe even super senior year. I'm not sure. But if we can give a player who maybe is, you know, relevant or not relevant on the roster, isn't the best player or not the worst player, but um, why can't we do it for the teams? You know, I think there's a lot of pol politics that go into some of these decisions because it may not make that much money or it, it harms the others. And for me, Again, and I know maybe we'll get to it today or not, but the, the NIL is another place where it's just, I would say the college world right now is a, is a convoluted mess. Um, and I would, I'd like to see it brought back to some semblance of like, we care about the kids, the student athletes, and we care about football, you know, the sport that we so, you know, have so much, you know, love in our hearts for. So that's some of what I feel. Obviously I could go on to, but um it's, we'll stop there for sure. <laughs> so, so Alex, I, I want to bring you into the conversation. You you went to a school in UMBC that that I think is the perfect example of what a run, a magical run that that comes sometimes out of nowhere can do for an institution. Um, put yourself as a UMBC fan. If 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 UMBC for some reason or some archaic rule during that run was told, you know what, hey, you're winning in an unprecedented level, but but you're not going to be eligible to uh, to, to have the, the financial benefits of this or at the very least to just give your your student athletes the opportunity to play. I know there's somebody watching who will say that's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. I, I agree with you. But it's it just illustrating, again, what a successful season like this, especially for a school like JMU, that the vast majority of the college football landscape doesn't know much about. What a run like this and the national attention that surrounds it can do for a program. Just uh, curious, from your perspective as a fan of UMBC, what what did that do for your school? Um, having so many people who probably never uh, ever been associated or familiar with the school now was thrust into the national spotlight. Yeah, it was definitely very interesting because, like you said, you know, I had a bunch of friends that had known I'd went there but didn't really know much about the school. And then I had, you know, moved on from UMBC at that point when they did have that run. And I had people reaching out to me, hey, didn't you go to this school? Isn't that kind of cool? And um, you know, as a student athlete myself, um, I couldn't imagine being told that I can't get to the next level or I can't go to the next thing just because of just because of a rule. Right. The, the, the people that are out there playing on the field every single week, practicing, putting in all that time. And then just to be told that all of that hard work, even if you are successful with it, isn't going to allow you the opportunity to do what these other people that maybe aren't performing at the same level you are, are going to be afforded with that luxury. I mean, from a community standpoint, I think it's just incredible already what the the community aspect of JMU and the fan base and the camaraderie and just the fact that it's getting this much attention. I agree with Tim when he said, you know, it's amazing that we're even having these kinds of conversations, right? 
but from a from a frustration standpoint, I couldn't imagine putting myself in those shoes and being told, hey, you know, we, we're supposed to be looking after you. You're supposed to be doing the best thing for you. I think I agree with a lot of the points you said, John, with the COVID uh, timeline and kids missing out on games and already having a shortened career in college, which could, uh, you know, turn into an even shorter career at a turn of a hat. Um, but they're really not looking out for them. I, I mean, and I, yeah. think it's, I think it's pretty clear. Now, I will say for, for those of you watching this who haven't had a chance to check out Kurt Signetti's interview with Jim Rome today, what I did think he did such a great job, though, of pointing to why he thinks his program has been so successful in being able to block out conversations like this and, and the conversations in the broader national media landscape is it is a very senior group, a very experienced group. Um, one point he kept mentioning is their fifth year and sixth year and seventh year players on this team because of the the added COVID years and, and some of the waivers of players have been given from an injury perspective. So there is a positive side of this is that this team is laser focused on going as far as they can, um, regardless of what the NCAA decides. They want to make a statement and and whether they're given the ability to, to compete in a postseason or in a, in a year six bowl or any bowl, um, because there's still a lot of football against some really good teams um, left to play. This team seems destined to make its mark uh, and to show the college football world that whatever happens this year, this program is set. Uh, the foundation is set for what's to come. And that's a hope of message as we turn our attention to this week. If you're somebody watching this who's who's fired up, who's passionate about this program, who's enjoyed the first seven weeks of the season, enjoyed the wins over UVA, enjoyed uh, our revenge tour against Marshall and Georgia Southern, and you're looking for something you can do other than just firing off a Facebook message or a tweet, there is something you can do, and it starts with supporting the Montpelier Collective, supporting the Duke Club. We're going to keep saying it, that we're a broken record on this topic, and we're a broken record on this topic for one reason and one reason alone. The success that JMU is having in this arena is going to make more people focused on the players that are on this roster. Um, that's what the NIL Collective is here for, is to help retain the talent is at JMU. We're going after more and more recruits um, on a daily basis to try to continue to build the foundation of success here in this program. And the more our program has from a resource perspective, the more they're going to be able to compete in that landscape. We hear a lot of conversations, a lot of people commenting on our posts and, and in our videos and things saying, hey, build the other side of the stadium. That takes resources. Uh, and that's where you can help. And that's at MontpelierCollective.com as well as at JMUDukeClub.com where you can make a contribution to both those organizations. If you can't make a gift today, Tell your friends, um, advocate. We need new donors uh, to be brought to the forefront. Um, so if you have somebody out there who you think can make that type of investment, now's the time to engage with them uh, and build that support to the Duke Club. But turning our attention to the game at hand, James Madison University playing Old Dominion at 8 p.m. on ESPNU, just another nationally televised game for this program. Far cries from the days of our flow sports days last season, trying to figure out how you could log on that platform taylor when you look at this game this week i you were in the stands i believe correct me if i'm wrong uh in for the last time we played odu i remember that as the game that section 109 where we both sit now burned to the ground um probably one of the more uh, just rough um post-game aftermaths in that stadium i think we all turned on each other in the aftermath um how do you see this game and why is this game in particular um so important for you as a fan um who's has a pretty I, I guess, storied connection or at least a uh, public connection that you have to Old Dominion? You know, um, I think I saw today in the text message with Steve that I believe the line has continued to go up. It's getting close to 20-point spread right now. If it's not there already, I think 19, 19 and a half. That a little bit is what worries me, and, and it probably worries me more as a fan 
versus the players on this team who are so locked in. And that coaching staff does such a good job at, uh, at, at, at keeping the distract distractions to a minimum. But when you look at old dominion, and I mentioned this on Sunday, statistically, almost every offensive and defensive uh, category you look at, they are either at the bottom or at least very much in the bottom half of the Sun Belt. So statistically, this is not a good football team. Also, their worst statistical categories happen to be some of our best statistical categories. So with that spread and those stats, this is what worries me. It's a rivalry game. It's a rivalry game with a team that has been at this level almost a decade longer than we have, and we've come in and spoiled the show in just a couple of years. It's a rivalry game at which last time they were at Bridgeforth Stadium, um, they won the CAA championship that they weren't allowed to win. So they were kind of similar to our situation. This is a rivalry game against a team that has been within one score of six of its last seven opponents. And it's a rivalry game with an old Dominion team that arguably is playing their best football of the year right now. Having said all of that, I fully expect to win by double digits. I expect to win by multiple scores. And I don't say that arrogantly. I say it because I know how good our team is, but I will say there is some anxiousness in the pit of my stomach just because of all the factors and emotion that is leading into this game. It does have kind of that scenario where, you know, sometimes you see those scores after you're, you're scrolling through the scores on a Saturday night and saying, whoa, how did that result happen? So um, I'm, I'm confident in this team, but just as a fan, you look at some of those factors and you say, it'll, it'll be good to see the clock hit all zeros at the end of the fourth quarter and see the Dukes win like I think they will. Yeah, and I, and I think your, your point is, is solid in that while statistically, as you said, they're not one of the better teams in Sunbelt, they're finding a way to stay in games. And if there's been, you know, one thing I've been happy of the last couple of games, though, is we're starting to correct some of those issues that plagued us in the early parts of the season where we get up big and then struggle uh, to hold leads. We were playing more of a 60-minute type style of game. That bodes well for this, but also it bodes well that we're at home. Our home record um, over the last number of years is, is well documented in terms of the success uh, that we have had. And I do think that is an X factor going into this game is the ability for fans who are going to be in attendance on Saturday to make a real impact in the outcome of this game. I do think, again, that matchup that I really am intrigued to watch uh, is Old Dominion's offensive line versus JMU's defensive line. That has been um, a real area that ODU has struggled is giving up sacks. I know the Monarchist guys said that one a lot of their sacks were more pronounced in the earlier games of the season. And it has got better as their offense has kind of figured it out. That's still a matchup. When you look at this defensive line that you, you have to feel good. If you're a JMU fan about our ability to put pressure on the quarterback, get hits on the quarterback. And then our past defenses continue to improve over the last number of weeks. Just a lot of factors. If old dominion is a team, I heard Signetti saying again, in his interview with Rome, they like to spread you out to try to open up the run. Uh, we saw that a little bit with Georgia Southern's offense, tried to do a similar thing. Uh, and obviously our defense was able to have success. So there, there are some intricacies. I know their defensive scheme is a little bit unique, um, but it's clear that our coaching staff is aware of it. But uh, Tim, your, your thoughts on this game. I know this is something you've watched closely. Uh, I know you also had some comments you wanted to make about our Jamie wide receiving core going into this game. Yeah, I think uh, first off, the third quarter, right? The game's at eight, eight o'clock. I mean, at the end of the day, deal with it, right? You know, like I have a two-year-old son. I get it, right? He's not coming, you know? So it's going to be an eight o'clock game. We need to be there for the whole game. I've heard a lot of, you know, I've seen a lot of that. 
Um, I think we need to be there to support the team. I'll be there the whole game. And I think it comes down to the third quarter. Um, the last two games, I mean, you said it with a complete game. Like we, we, the first five games of the season, we let off the gas in the third quarter, I think every single time, right? Um, and we let them back in the game and it made a very interesting final. The last two games have not been that way because we've come out in the third quarter, especially Georgia Southern. You know, I know we all wanted to beat them. I mean, I was there very early for that kickoff, even though it was a noon kickoff. I was ready to roll. Um, I wanted to beat them bad after they stormed the court or the field. But um, I think it's really important that the fans stick around and dominate the third quarter along with the with the team. If we dominate the third quarter, we're going to win the game, period. Case closed, end of story. Um, secondarily, I don't think they're – I'll channel my inner Steve here. I don't think there's any possibility that their offensive line can match up with our defensive line. They're gonna they're gonna get destroyed. Like it, I think that the only way they can make it a game is if they can pass the ball on on offense. Um, they're gonna have to pass it fast. They're gonna have to move the ball. They're gonna have to do quick screens. They're gonna have to do slants. Things that you know we match up pretty well against when we get pressure. Um, but I do not see them containing that 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 defensive line. And then third, when you when you look at the team overall, the the receiving core has been something that's been impressing me. Um, Sproles was a little quiet earlier in the season, but the last two games he's had 50 yards plus. Um, Surratt's been coming into his own as a transfer and obviously Brown's been, you know, stable. The only thing I would say is I'd love to see a Horton game. Um, you know, I was at the South Alabama game where he rolled right into the end zone a couple of times. I'd like to see him have a big game. Um, I think that would be awesome to see because I would really round out, you know, a, a solid group of four, you know, outside of the running backs receivers, um, that we can use and utilize against their defense. Austin, as a, a former player, anything you're seeing in this matchup that, that intrigues you? I, you know, the, I would say the D-line is, like, last week when they were playing Marshall, it was just, I mean, every other play, the, 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 the I was a defensive lineman myself, so the trenches is where it's won and lost, if you ask me. Uh, and defense wins championships, if you ask me two questions. Um, but that's why I think, I think the difference is going to be, look, with as much as what I mentioned earlier when it comes to the transfer and kind of the, the college, you know, arena right now and kind of a little bit of a, just a mess of what's, changes right um it's given jmu the ability to have players that may have been you know at other schools when they get to that quote-unquote free agent portal these days and i think that's a factor too you know we're not just labeled ladled with you know four-star five-star recruits and they may have been that in their own right but i think that we have a and have only grown into what you know that started with the bad of the world right and when you go back to those kinds of transfers i mean he was a household name at georgia tech so they're becoming those guys, household names at JMU because of the continued growth. And just back to your original question, I think all of that plays to the defensive line. As much as we might not have all of the, those transfers there, I think actually one was a walk-on, which is always a cool story. Um, Henderson, I believe, 99. Um, but outside of that, uh, I think that's where it's going to be won. You know, we've, we've, we've got talent all over the field. Um, and if you win those battles – you're, you're going to win the game. And I would say, just like Taylor said, a, a lot of points you're going to win those games by. Yeah, and we'll be interested to see. And, and again, though, point out that this game, what Signetti said matters so much about this for the in-skate recruiting, the uh, the dynamic between the various programs who are all kind of going for a similar player and, and some of the recruits who will go on an official visit to JMU one week or at ODU the next. These games matter. JMU's win over ODU last year mattered, um, especially when there were so many questions in the ODU fan base of, of what JMU would look like against an FBS competition. Taylor, I know how many times did you hear from an ODU fan that everything we did over the last decade didn't matter because it was at the FCS level and then to go down to uh, to Norfolk last year and win the way we did. It was a statement. Um, I'll say 
I'm bullish on this team because every week we seem to make another statement and it just doesn't seem like this is the game that's going to derail this team. Um, especially if you look at the matchup, I think there's a lot to like in this. Um, I will point out two of those seven games, one of which was against a Texas A&M Commerce team, which is a transitioning D2 team to uh, FCS. And for that, yes, it was during a hurricane, but still, you'd like to think in that type of matchup, ODU would have come away with a bigger win. And then October 7th, a four-point win over a Southern Miss team, which has really struggled this year. Um, they That is a game that you would expect if, if ODU is going to make the type of statement they're going to make. This is a one-in-five Southern Miss team that they were in real danger of losing that game, um, losing to App State. A lot of games this season where you'd, you'd think, from a JMU fan, there's a lot to like in these individual matchups, and that's why I still think JMU comes out on top, hopefully rather comfortably. I don't think any of us need another uh, single-score game going into the fourth quarter. But one thing I will say on that is this team has continued to show, look at the game against Marshall, a 3 nothing lead at half. Everything looks like it's going to turn against them uh, in the field position battle, kind of shifted as we went to the second half. They were cool, calm, and collected. They get the interception from Francis Mian, and that team was off to the races. I think that shows the character of this group uh, and an ability to continue to stay focused uh, and to ultimately understand what it needs to win, uh, and that's what they've been doing in droves, and this is a franchise and a group that's used to winning, and I think we're going to see that on Saturday. I'm going to go around the horn one more time. Taylor, any last thoughts before we give Tim an opportunity to give us a little more on Skyline uh, to sign us off for tonight's discussion? Yeah, I've, I've talked a lot about JMU, so I just want to take my final thought to give – um, another thanks and appreciation to Skyline Financial. And I do want to say to everyone out there um, listening, there's a lot of misconceptions about financial planning. There's a lot of misconceptions about where you are, where you need to be in life, or how much money you need to have, or when's the right time to start planning. You've seen from this broadcast tonight just how easy it is to talk to these guys. Um, you know, So I would encourage anyone, anyone out there at all that has ever had any inkling to say, you know, I, I would like to start kind of planning for my future, for my family or the family that I want to have one day. Uh, give these guys a call. Visit their website. I mean, you see their faces here. Very easy to talk to. Shared shared values. You know, they understand the JMU culture, so they kind of have a similar life experience to you. Um, reach out to them. Visit their website. I, I can't endorse this team enough uh, for how much they care about their clients. So really encourage people to check them out. And I'm going to come to you, Alex, bring you into the discussion one last time. Um, maybe your last thoughts on, on anything we discussed tonight, but also uh, maybe a little bit more about the skyline difference. Yeah, for sure. Uh, first thing, obviously, go do because I, I have a feeling you guys are going to absolutely roll uh, roll them to, on Saturday. I don't see how you can't with all the energy behind you guys, all discussion, big events. Um, I'm actually kind of curious to get your take on what you guys think uh, that final score is going to be or if they're going to cover that spread. Um, cause I did take a look, it looks like the line's at around 19 and a half now. So I'm kind of curious to see what you guys think about that. Um, but as far as skyline goes, I mean, the big difference is, uh, you know, we do really care. We love what we do uh, when it comes to retirement planning or financial planning in general, it really is a big puzzle and it's how you put those pieces together. Right. A lot of people, when they think of financial planning, they think just about growth and accumulation. How much money can I build this big nest egg when that's really just a piece of the pie. Um, you want to look at income distribution, tax minimization, tax planning, state planning, all of that stuff. And we really do have a solid team. You know, myself and Tim being uh, fiduciaries, uh, investment advisors, Austin being an expert with certain insurance strategies. We also have an estate planning attorney and a CPA on our staff as well. So it's a really connected group. We all work together to put those puzzles pieces together for our clients. Um, but, you know, I, I appreciate the kind words from Taylor specifically. 
um, and from you, Jonathan, as well. I mean, we just we just want to help. We want to educate. And if you have questions, we're, we're here to answer them. Awesome. And Austin, uh, maybe you can answer his question about the prediction for the final score and then maybe give a little bit more of uh, from your perspective on why people should look into Skyline. And then we'll sure. uh, end it with Tim. I would say, you know, I'm going to go ahead and throw out a 38, uh, maybe even a 44 to 10 victory. Um, All right. I think I think we'll start there. Uh, I do think we're go. we're just so much more talented um, across the board, and that that helps. Uh, and then when it comes to uh, skyline, you know, again, thanks thanks both of you um, for the shout outs, the, the 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 constant support behind us, and we're excited to be here too um, for all the family that is watching and is here. And I would say for me again, it's it's genuine. You know, a lot of people can be hot air. Um, I would say. I hope this helps give you that we're not just a bunch of hot air. Um, we, we do have hearts. Uh, we do care. We do love JMU. Like I said at first, it's home. And where better place to help than home? Um, so for me, again, the other little piece I put in is student athletes, you know, being one. It's a very big place for me um, with what the college sports world is becoming for us to really, you know, hone in on some of these places and some of these student athletes, even in the universities in the same fashion of NIL just by having money, you know, to, to continue to grow the university. But um, it's across the board, just true, holistic understanding of people need and think they can't get answers to questions that might be simple. How do I, how do I, you know, take out, when do I take my social security? Those things are, are lost on I would, the ivory tower that used to be the financial industry. So for us, um, it, it really does matter to, to understand uh, the landscape that you have, and be there to answer all those questions uh, in every way that we can. Awesome. Well, thank you, Austin. And then Tim, um, one thing I've, I've loved about this discussion tonight is, is from our first episode to today, we've always said uh, that we're nothing special on this show. We're, we're not journalists. We're, we're not professional sportscasters. Um, this podcast is for fans, by fans. Um, and everyone on this call has the same perspective and same value in terms of their input and their feedback and their feelings about this program. Um, I've appreciated not only your support of our program, but your passion for the program. And you've joined us on some post-game conversations as well. Um, and you're just another fan bringing their voice to this discussion. And, and we hope um, you're going to be joining us during basketball season as well. So we can give our perspective on, on what looks like to be an exciting season for the team. Um, but again, give fans, I, I think you have a, an opportunity to share why this particular conversation, the conversation around JMU and how it ties in the skyline is really personal for you. Uh, and I did want to give you the opportunity to kind of end on your personal story um, for why you do have such a strong connection to the JMU community. Yeah, of course. So first off, um, basketball season's coming and then I'll talk about the personal story and I do have season tickets. So anybody who's on here who wants to see, if you haven't seen the new arena, that's pretty nice. So um, message me privately. I have four tickets for the whole season. I'll be going to most games, um, but JMU for me, um, it was, it was the best and, and the hardest time of my entire life. Um, my only brother, my sibling, um, James, he had a uh, cancer when I, and I, when I was a sophomore, he was, he was diagnosed with terminally ill cancer. And if it wasn't for the people in my life and James Madison university, he ended up passing away of cancer when I was a junior in college. So I was driving, um, all the time. I, I went from the normal weekends at, in forest Hills. Like I was in a fraternity. I know how it goes right to driving every single night during the weekend down to Duke university to see my brother, because that's where his cancer treatments were. And if it wasn't for James Madison university and the community, and I'll never forget it. I had a friend, um, you know, who like friends that were just there for me. And, and, and it, if it wasn't for JMU, I don't know where I would be today. 
in full transparency. Like that's as honest as I can be. You know, I don't know if I'd be sitting here 32 years old, married with a kid that loves Jim. His first football game was Bucknell, um, you know, three dogs. You know, I don't think I'd be sitting where I am right now and so happy about life if I hadn't have chosen JMU over other schools. Saying the other schools' names that I was considering isn't relevant, but I'm very happy that I chose JMU. And, you know, being in the industry now in financial services for over 10 years, um, I noticed that, you know, for every 10 advisors, maybe two or three genuinely are focused on caring and helping you grow your wealth, right? And you need both. You need to you need to be able to know that the person that you're talking to is a couple of things. One, confident. The world's a little crazy right now, right? You know, at the end of the day, if you don't have an advisor who's confident, who's helping you navigate the storm, you don't want a captain who's freaking out when the water gets rough, right? You want someone who's calm, cool, and collected, pays attention to what's going on in the economic factors and helps you see through to the next sunny day, right? So that's number one. Number two is you want to have somebody who has good firepower, right? That's more of an individual meeting. We can show you how we do things and what makes us different. That's more for an individual meeting. And then third, you have to have somebody that you can trust. If you don't trust somebody with your, like, then it's not going to be a good relationship, right? So moving forward, we're not going anywhere. Um, you know, I'm going to be going to games for a long time, probably for the rest of my life. And, and we look forward to meeting with you. If it's not now, you know, we look forward to meeting with you in the future, you know, and, and uh, if not, you know, I'm in Convo a lot. Um, I don't know if I'll be there all day Saturday because I promised my family I'd get breakfast with them um, before the, the four of us head out for the game. Um, but I definitely am excited to talk to some of you. And, uh, you know, JMU has been really special to me and I'm excited to see, you know, where everything goes. You know, it's all. I think JMU is an awesome thing this year. We'll end it with this. You know, with everything kind of crazy going on, JMU has been a nice, just all of this, you know, just the the, the, the team and the athletes and just the, the the fans in the stadium and the 7-0 and and the JMU sound off, you know, this taking off. And, you know, everything's been really exciting. So I think uh, if you think about everything and keep focusing on moving forward, I think there's exciting times ahead um, for all things purple. So thank you, John. And, you know, that's, it's really, you know, JMU is really special to me. Awesome. Well, thanks, Tim. And, and I know you can you can see it on your face and, and every interaction we've had. Um, this is enforced for you. This is natural. And and just know uh, we really do appreciate it. And and I because, again, our ability to have this conversation, the ability to continue to bring the voice of fans to the dialogue around this program is what we believe uh, passionately here at Sound Off is what's going to continue to help this university grow um, alongside of others. There's other groups out there having really important and valuable discussions as well. We're going to continue to sharing um, our perspective on how we can continue to support this program uh, and continue to build it towards what we all want to see. And that's in many ways because of so many other grads uh, in the JMU landscape who are doing great work on a daily basis and, and the grads here at Skyline Financial that are um, helping not only support this program, but helping JMU and people across the uh, landscape of JMU athletics and, and the JMU community um, make smart financial plans. So if you're out here and you want to learn more about Skyline Financial Partners, you do so at skylinefinancialpartners.com. So anybody who's coming to Harrisonburg, have safe travels up to JMU. If you're not able to make the trip, the game again is on ESPNU, and that starts at 8 p.m. I know there's a lot of festivities this week surrounding homecoming. Um, so if you're in Harrisonburg, enjoy your time. Um, we will be back for our normal episode sponsored by Skyline Financial on Sunday night at 8 p.m. We'll recap the game against um, ODU and look forward to our matchup on the road at Georgia State, a big battle in Atlanta. So on behalf of Taylor Atkins and the Skyline Financial Partners crew, we'll talk to you on Sunday night at 8 p.m. Go Dukes, beat ODU.